Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Yeah, the book of Acts begins after the resurrection of Jesus, and chapter 1 was really those first 40 days after that time, and, and Scripture tells us that Jesus appeared to many in his glorified body, and ones that he appeared to the most and spent the most time with the disciples, and he says to them this profound thing. He says, I have a plan got a purpose for your life, and I've got power that will help you accomplish it. And what's amazing is those three things, that plan, that purpose, that power, it hasn't changed in 2,000 years. That's our purpose and our marching orders. And it's simply this, is to know God, right, and to make him known. It's a key verse in, in all of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we looked at last week, but it simply says this, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The vision for every follower of Christ is simply that, right, that the gospel would change and transform us to such a level that a natural outpouring of who we are is that we would share what Jesus has done in our life with others. That the gospel would transform us in such a way that it just naturally is that kind of witness to the world around us. And it says that's our role. And here's what we're going to see today. In the midst of that purpose, God has this celestial plan <laughs> that we're a part of, that there's a bigger picture of things that are happening that we can even see and taste and feel even here within a moment, but we get to play a part of that. So this morning, if you are new to church or maybe new here to Lex City, can I just say today, some of this stuff's going to be a little out there a little bit, you know? I mean, sometimes when we talk about, hey, Jesus loves people and Jesus healed people, like, we can get our, our hand, our heads around that. Today, it's going to get a little miraculous and a little wild. Can I just encourage you, hang on, because there are some good stuff for you in the midst of that. And so that's where we're going to go today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn me to the book of Acts. We're going to finish the last part of chapter 1. If you've got your phones, you can go to lexcity.info. Again, all the sermon notes are on there. If you're new to our church, great place to stay connected. Also, at lexcity.info is that 28-day reading plan through the book of Acts. If you really want to get more out of this series, then you got some work that you can do that will really be helpful to you. 28 days, one chapter a day to kind of get the whole overview of the book of Acts. It's amazing. Let's pick it up. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. So disciples are gathered together. Jesus is meeting with them in his glorified body. and says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of of heaven, or a kingdom of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not time, we're saying, for you to know the time or the season, what I need you to do is just trust God, that he is sovereign and in control. Now, if you're somebody who likes to be in control, again, you're in control not for your own purposes. You're in control because you want everybody else to experience better things, right? Your control is for their benefit, not for you, because things go better when you're in control, right, for their sake. So if you're, if you're the kind of person who likes to know the, the what, the why, the when, and the where, right, this verse is tough, where Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time or the place. I need you just to trust so in 2023, right, if you're one who would like to manage the whole year and control those different things, God wants to remind you of the book of Acts that in the midst of your plan, that God has this celestial plan that's going that you are not in control in any of it, that God is in control and that God's got this thing taken care of. It's such a great reminder, we'll see, because we have those seasons in life, don't we? Where you're like, God, where are you? 
I don't feel like you're hearing my prayers. I don't feel like you're paying any attention. I'm beginning to wonder if you are still on the throne. God, do you, are, do you have this? Here's what Acts reminds us, that God is always moving, that God has a timetable and a time plan, and he is sovereign in all of these things, and we're gonna see that. If we just wait, we can experience the goodness of God in the plan. For some of you, that's what you just need to hear for 2023. If you can just learn to wait, that God's got something. Because there's something bigger that's happening. He's going to say to your disciples, listen, if you'll just be patient, what I'm going to share with you, he says, man, it's not, even going to ch- it's not only just going to change you. It, it truly will transform you in your life if you'll just be patient. So we pick it up in verse 8, right? Key verse. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he sent where he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Pretty powerful little verse. He says, listen, the ascension of Jesus is going to be just as miraculous as when Jesus returns. And we know from the book of Revelations that the return of Christ is going to be pretty spectacular. So it's no wonder the disciples are just sitting there in a moment like, wow, Pretty amazing. And they're just, they're just dumbfounded, gazing into the sky. And after a certain period of awkwardness and silence, two angels appear and say, wake up, boys. Uh, it's, it's time. Why, why are you just sitting here looking into the sky? And they're like, did you just see what we saw? That's why we're looking. He says, no, there's time. It's a time to move, right? The mission is not going to get furthered by you just gazing into the skies aimlessly. It's time to go to work. It's time to move. And we see that. There are certain times isn't it, in, our, in our own walk, in our own journey, we find ourselves just sitting and gazing into the sky as if we're waiting at times. Like, God, I need a burning bush, right? I need you to, I need something, you need to say something. Sometimes the more spiritually sensitive we are, the more time we spend just sometimes standing and gazing for longer than we need to. Somebody once shared to me, it's always easier to steer a car that's moving. And I think that's a degree true as we try to think about, God, what's your will? What do you have for me? What's this next step? It's this idea that we've got to move, right? Stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but take action. And if we're not careful, sometimes we just stand and we're just waiting like, God, what, till you say something, right? And we just sit there in that stagnant state for an immobilized period of time. Can I just encourage you? I think if you're not sure what to do, can I just encourage you? Move forward in wisdom and in passion, move forward with your hands open and your heart open to the sensitivity of the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. But lead forward, just move forward in the desires of your heart. And if the Spirit says to you, stop, then stop. If he says, wait, then wait. If he says, move left, then you move left. But until those moments, listen, I, I'm gonna just move forward in confidence and joy trusting that when the Spirit wants me to know, he will tell me, right? The will of God is not designed to be a mystery we can't figure out. God wants you to know what he wants you to do, and so just lead in confidence, but lead with an open hand that's sensitive. The Spirit would lead. And so that's what he's saying. Spirit, uh, the angels say to these men, listen, it's time to move forward. So 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, now Jesus ascends into heaven. 
And he tells them to wait. Now, they don't know how long they're supposed to wait. We know this. They're going to end up waiting 10 days. Any idea what happens in 10 days? An event that we call Pentecost happens 10 days after this thing. In the uh, Jewish calendar, uh, we have the big festival of the Passover, right? You're probably familiar with that. The following holy day or, or a festival that happens after the Passover is the Festival of Weeks. In Hebrew, it's known as Shabbat, which originally was, it was a harvest festival. And then later on, it became a festival that would uh, remember the Mount Sinai and the giving of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. So it was the festival of weeks. You may say, why was it called weeks? Well, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 16, the Israelites were told simply this, that they were to count seven weeks or 49 days before they have their next holy day after the Passover. So that word, 49 days, festival of weeks, uh, in English, we get from the Greek word, we get Pentecost, which really means just 50 or 50th day. So that's what happens. So here we have the second big festival in the Jewish calendar at this point. It's Pentecost that happens. Now, Jewish believers from all over the world would come back to Jerusalem for this festival. If you've ever been in the Holy Land at a time of a festival, it's, it's amazing. People from all over have come in. Let me just show you a map that we know. This was for that day at Pentecost. This is where pe- Jewish Christians had come literally from all over the world into Jerusalem that are there. So what I want to remind you of this, it truly was a, a global uh, event that was happening. But now, do you remember the bigger picture? Purpose of Acts. That the gospel would be shared in what? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Are you beginning to understand why Jesus says, if you'll wait 10 days, the world will come to your doorstep. If you'll wait 10 days at Pentecost, the festival of weeks, Literally, the influencers, men and women from all over the known world this time, will come right to your doorstep if you will just wait and be patient for that moment. It's pretty amazing. Some of you, you just need to be reminded in 2023, if you'll just wait 10 days, the world may come to your doorstep, right? If you'll just wait, God has a bigger, you don't see it, But God has this bigger plan. You're saying, God, why are we not moving? Because in 10 days, in my sovereign plan, the world will come to Jerusalem, and I'm going to do something miraculous. And that's kind of where we continue to pick up the story. So Acts 2 opens with the disciples gathering together. And in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it reminds us that there was not just the disciples. There was 120 that gathered with them. So when he used the phrase in the house, I, I think it's probably more accurate to, it's interpreted sometimes as the temple. And if we're talking about 130 plus people, we were probably at the temple, not in somebody's home as we go. And so we pick up this gathering that's happening in Acts chapter two, verse one. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What? (laughs) 
What's that, all right? Three, three incredible things happen at, at Pentecost, right? Number one, we see this. A mighty wind came from heaven. Now, this isn't simply like a storm, a big wind that just whoosh, came up out of the blue and gusted through, right? I mean, I used to live in Nebraska, and there's nothing to stop. A wind just, it just keeps on going, right, until it comes all the way out here to uh, Kentucky. This isn't kind of that. This is a miraculous thing. Now, here's what I want you to be reminded. They didn't feel the wind. What's the scripture say? They heard the wind. Speculating. That that wind created such a sound that they heard that somehow it drew people from all over Jerusalem to the temple. Something was happening here. The sound brought them there. Number two thing to happen is that fire appeared on each one of them. Key phrase. It says, as of fire, which implies it's probably not literal fire that came upon them, but we know this, that fire is always a symbol of the divine presence of God. See, all the way through the Old Testament, right? We have the, the burning bush, the pillar of fire that guided Israel by the night, the consuming fire at Mount Sinai, the fire that hovered over the wilderness tabernacle. Anytime there's fire in that context, it represents what's the divine presence of God. And third, they spoke in various languages. As a result of that moment, the Holy Spirit filling these believers, they spoke in different dialects. And here's what's so amazing is that when they spoke in those different dialects, people who spoke that dialect understood the words that they were saying as if they were speaking them in their native language. Go back and look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I just showed you the map. That's where they were, every nation that was there, right? And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not these who are speaking Galileans? This is so important. Galileans were probably, Galileans had a really thick accent, and they were probably, in terms of the educational sphere, probably the least educated of all that were there in Jerusalem. So when somebody spoke, you would say, accent, I know you're a Galilean. In Kentucky, we would know if you're from eastern Kentucky or western Kentucky based on just your accent that you have. So if you're from far eastern Kentucky, you can tell just by the speech that they have. And they're saying, I'm, I misunderstand. Aren't you Galileans? I should understand that your accent should be so heavy in the way you speak, and yet I'm not hearing it that way in verse 8. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? It's an astounding thing that's happening. So picture this. What drew all these people to the temple was the sound of the wind that came. They came, and as they came... They heard 120 plus people worshiping, giving testimony of God. And what's so perplexing to them is as they listen to the testimony and the worship that's happening, they're hearing it in their own native tongue. They can't put it together. It would be like this. If I were today, if I was preaching to you on the day of Pentecost, right? If I was preaching to you out of Psalms 23, it would go like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Junto a aguas tranquilas me conduce. Él refresca mi alma. Me guía por los caminos rectos por amor de su nombre. Und wenn ich auch wandere durch das finsterste Tal, fürchte ich kein Unheil. Denn du bist bei mir. Dein Stecken und Stab trösten mich. 주께서 내 원수의 목전에서 내게 상을 차려주시고 
Hakika, wema na fadhili zitanifuata siku zote za maisha yangu. Nami nitakaa nyumbani mwa Bwana milele. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See the power wasn't in the speaker, the power was in the power of the Holy Spirit who interpreted the words that were being shared so that all could understand. And I love Luke, right? We thought Luke, our favorite little blue, uh, wants to make sure we have all the details. So in verse 15, rather than just saying men and women from all around the world heard, if you go down and you're reading Luke, Luke chapter 15, he lists out all 15 countries. So in case you wanted all the details, Luke wants to make sure you've got all 15 countries. He's making the point. They're from everywhere, and I can tell you where that it was. And these 15 men and women from all these countries were amazed because Galileans who normally the accent is so obvious are now speaking in ways that you could hear and understand. In chapter 2, verse 11, this is how they respond. And we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others said, well, they're filled with new wine. See, the power, anytime the gospel's preached, right, it's either gonna draw you in humility to God or your pride's gonna push away from the things of God, right? That's what's happening here. The gospel's being preached and proclaimed, and one or two things are happening. And so those that have this sense of, I can't dismiss it, I've gotta understand it, this is confusing, they're just saying, listen, it's nothing supernatural, they're just drunk. They're just wasted and carrying on. Nobody, it's confusing, it's out of control, and they tried to attribute again the work of the Spirit to the work of spirits that they had, right? And in chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people, they're not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Peter said, well, what? He said, no, he's drunk. Men you know, men of Judea, these are Orthodox Jews. You know that they don't eat or drink before nine o'clock in the morning on the Sabbath or on a holy day. Men, you know these men, an Orthodox Jew, we're not drinking unless around, they're not drunk, that's happening. Something else significant is happening. So Peter says, begins to preach. He preaches amazing simple but profound sermon, and he speaks out of the, the, really the prophet Joel. He says in verse 16, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Then he preaches. He stands up and begins to preach. Now, here's what's interesting. As Peter preaches, he's not preaching in tongues where people understand. It's interesting. He's speaking to the men of Judea, so he's speaking Aramaic. So he's speaking just to this crew, and here's the point I want to remind you. The message began with the inner circle of Jerusalem. Remember Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world? The first sermon preached was preached to those who were in Jewish believers in Jerusalem, so it began there in its own thing. And it's just a simple principle, but it's so true. The light that shines farthest shines brightest at home, right? It begins here in Jerusalem, first sermon that was ever given after this point. And now when they heard, verse 17, 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to him, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. 
So those who received his words were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. First movement of God, first revival happens right there in Jerusalem. 3,000 Orthodox Jewish people were saved. Now listen, Luke, because we love him, he wants us to make sure that we miss no details, right? He wants to make point they're not only saved, but I want to let you know that they were all baptized. You say, what difference does that make? Of course they would be baptized. Like in our context, we say all these times, right? We talk about believer's baptism. One of the first acts of obedience after placing your faith in Jesus Christ is that you'd be baptized, that you would go public with your faith, making that public profession. Context of Acts 2, this doesn't happen. Jews were not baptized. In fact, the only people who were baptized were, were Gentiles at this time. And when they were baptized, it was to show their full repentance from the defilement of who they are. Orthodox Jews were never baptized until Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. 3,000 Jews were not only saved, but they were baptized. Something new was happening. This was different. It was the birth of the church in the community and the public proclamation of your faith. And next week, we're gonna take a little time and talk about this original church. What made it so impactful? What was the heart, what were the values of the people that made such a difference? But that's next week. So in the life of believers, all right, Acts chapter two, maybe Pentecost, one of the most significant events, and we just take it for granted, in human history. The third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, permanently indwells in the heart of every believer. First time in human history, Acts chapter two. Now you may say, listen, why is that such a big deal? Let me just give you today in our time, let me give you 10 things. I think 10 reasons are 10 things that the Holy Spirit does when he indwells the heart of a believer. Now listen, that he did not do in the life of Moses, did not do in the life of David, did not do in the life of the nation of Israel, did not do in the life of the disciples until after Pentecost at these things, 10 things that you and I may take for granted, but 10 things we're going to see this, that there's a power in you, don't miss this, that was not in Moses. There's a power in you that was not in David. There's a power in you that is uniquely because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 10 things, 10 roles of the Holy Spirit. Number one, and again, they're all at lexity.info if you need them. He's a helper who teaches and reminds a helper. John chapter 14 says it this way. Jesus says to his disciple, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. He says, here's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave, and I've taught you many things. And one of the things the Holy Spirit's do is going to give you understanding, and it's going to give you remembrance. It's one of the great works of the Holy Spirit. It's so great today as I attempt to try to communicate Acts chapter two and what Pentecost means, as a believer, the power of the Holy Spirit is not in the words I say, it's that the power of the Holy Spirit will take the truth of God's word and give you understanding and application in your life. If you're sitting here, this is kind of complicated stuff. And if you're sitting, I get it. Oh, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit giving you understanding and depth and life transformation that comes. So he's a teacher, he reminds. Number two, he convicts the world of sin, all right? Uh, John chapter 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in life. It convicts us. You want to know why you can't sleep when you're living in sin? It's the Holy Spirit. 
You know why sometimes we come to church and it's hard to go through the motions, you can't sing the song and you're distracted and all that. Why? It's the Holy Spirit working in your heart saying things just aren't right. That's the power. It's the beauty of what the Spirit does within us, convicts us of sin. Number three, it dwells in believers and fills us. 1 Corinthians 3, right? The Holy Spirit is the evidence of the presence of God in our lives. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? I love it. Verse 4, first time in human history. Source of revelation and wisdom and power. 1 Corinthians 2. These are the things God has revealed to us. How did he reveal it? By his Spirit, that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thought of God except for the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to give you understanding about who God is. Newsflash, because I'm God. I can give you insight. I'm going to give you insight into who you are because I dwell within you. I know the thoughts and the emotions and the things that we have. It's, it dwells in it. It fills us. I love it. Uh, it goes on to, um, well, let me give it five. It guides to all truth and knowledge of what is to come. Jesus told this to the disciples. Listen, the Spirit's going to help you know the things that are to come that you're not aware of. John 16. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Spirit's going to give you insight into what is to come. Why? Because the Spirit comes from me. Number six things that he does. Give spiritual gifts to the believers, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that when you place your faith in Christ, we're given all spiritual, a spiritual gift or gifts that we go. The reminder of the, the value of those gifts is for the edification of the body, not for promotion of self. And so these are gifts that grow the family together. It says we've received spiritual gifts because of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, he seals the salvation of a believer. The mark of a relationship with Jesus Christ is that the Spirit lives within us. We've been adopted, right? So the Spirit comes. Ephesians 1.13 and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, this is so great, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When you place your faith in, you had a deposit, what, of the Holy Spirit within your life. It's amazing. Eight, helps in our weakness and intercedes for us. At times, right, when you don't know what to do, at times when you pray and it's like, God, I'm so beaten down, I'm so discouraged, I'm so in pain, I don't even know what to say. It's in those moments that the Holy Spirit intercedes in our weakness, Romans 8, 26, right? In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He'll intercede on our behalf, not for our benefit, but for the will of God. If I want to be connected with the will of God, then the Holy Spirit intercedes that my will connects with the will of God and those things. Number nine, makes believers new and grants us eternal life. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to renew us, to sanctify us, to make us more holy, Right? And he does that because the power of the Holy Spirit is the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can raise us from our sin into eternal life. Romans 8, this is so great. But if Christ is in you, 
then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit who lives within you. You understand the power of the Holy Spirit within your life? He's saying this is, the, this is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the spirit that indwells and lives within you to give you the power to fulfill your purpose and mission what God has in your life. It's amazing. Keep going on. Let me give you the last one. 10, sanctifies and enables good fruit in our lives. The work of the Holy Spirit is this ongoing process, right, to make us more like Christ. We call it sanctification, right, growing to be more like Jesus. And it's called, what? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit grows in us, develops in us, produces in us. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. If you want to know what, if I'm a follower of Christ, what a Spirit-led life looks like, it's here, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And you may look at that life, that list here today and say, man, that's what I want out of my life. I went 2023, man, I want to experience joy and peace, patience, kindness, And if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just say to you, the struggle is this. Listen, men and women, you don't have the power in and of yourself to produce these things in your life. That's why your your desire to be a good person, you are working so hard in and of yourself. I want to be kinder. I want to be more patient. I don't want to get angry. I want to have victory over this thing. And you can't figure out why you are tired and wore out and so discouraged, and every year there's a New Year's resolution, you're like, I don't want to do this again because I keep failing on the same thing. Here's what I'm, you can't do it because you don't have the power in and of yourself to do that. These things that I listed are, are not things of the flesh that we can create and work harder to generate in ourselves. These are the work of the Spirit of God within our lives. So you won't have the power unless you have Jesus in your life. So I would just say to you today, if you find yourself here this morning or you're watching online this morning and you've not experienced that kind of a relationship with Jesus, can I just invite you, every week, we always have our prayer team that's down here front, a group of men and women that are just here for you to encourage you, walk alongside you. And if you've got questions about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, can I just invite you after service, just come on down and say, man, I, I want to experience that kind of joy. I need that kind of peace in my life. Can you tell me about it? And they would love to share that with you. For some of us, and many of us here this morning, we've come to that point. We've made that profession of faith. We're followers of Christ. And yet, if we're honest, 2022 did not reflect the fruit of the Spirit to the level that we desire. There was anger. There was anxiety. There was lust. There was control. There was you fill in the blank. We look at our lives and say, ooh, 2022, I'm falling a little short of those. I want in 2023, I really do want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident, that my family could see it, that my coworkers could see it. So how do I get there? Keep reading. Scripture always identifies a problem and then creates the wonderful solution, right? Gives us hope. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, 
all right, followers of Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So here it tells us. If we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Right? Keep in step with the Spirit. I don't need you walking ahead of the Spirit. don't need you dragging behind the Spirit. I just need you to walk in, in harmony and keep in step with the Spirit. So when anger and anxiety, lustful thoughts, comparing, all these things, when fill in the blank, when they come in, what does that tell me? When this becomes true in my life, then I am out of step with the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit isn't being evident, right? And we can try to make it all ni- nicey and use different, it's just sin. It's just sin. It's sin that keeps us from walking in step with the Spirit. And so how do you solve the sin problem? It's just you repent, acknowledge it to God, and say, God, I... I acknowledge this to you. Please forgive me. God, I want to walk in step with you. So then we have phrases like, you know, what's Acts say? Then I want you to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit. And that little phrase, to be filled with the Spirit, somehow it doesn't translate really well in our English language. I think if we're not careful, it gives us a wrong theological perspective. The idea, if we don't... It almost sounds like, hey, I got about 6% of the Spirit when I, when I made a profession of faith, and so now I just need the Spirit to pour in more of the Spirit into me. Can I just remind you, the issue is not being filled more with the Spirit. The, the issue is becoming less of you and your yielding to the Spirit within your life. That you are indwelt with the Holy, all these 10 things, that you're indwelt with, you have all the power, you've been dwelt with the Holy Spirit. The issue is not, I need more of the Spirit, I need less of me. Do you see what I'm saying that way? And when there is less of me, I avail myself more to the power of the Spirit in my life. So God, in 2023, I've got to become less so the Spirit can become greater in my life. Two questions for you this morning as we close, right? At the start of 2023, what areas do you maybe once again need to yield to the leading of the Spirit in your life? Where are places in the last couple of years you've kind of drifted and all of a sudden you're putting more of you in the tank and the Spirit's squelching down farther? Where do you just need to yield more to the Spirit? And this next year, where does your flesh need to decrease, right, so the Spirit can increase in your life? Next week, we're going to see what a family, what a church family looks like when it's filled with men and women who have yielded to the Spirit and been filled with the Spirit in their lives in such a way, we're going to see there's an impact that's, that's unstoppable and it's undeniable and it's so attractional to the world around us. But it begins on an individual basis with us yielding to the power of the Spirit in your life. And all of that is made possible because in Acts chapter 2 and an event called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, it's amazing, third part of the Trinity, for the very first time in human history, came to dwell in men. And now, because the Spirit dwells within me, I am his witness to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the outermost parts of the earth. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for an extraordinary moment in history. One that, confess, we take for granted 2,000 years later, but it always was not this way. The 
spirit in the presence of God who once dwelt in the temple now dwells within the temple of our lives. And so, Lord, we just pray in 2023, there are places in our lives that we need to just to recommit and re-yield to you that we would do that. God, that we would become less so your spirit may become greater in our lives. Our Lord, even maybe today there are some that just have questions. Maybe today they feel that movement in their own heart of just saying, I, I need that kind of relationship. God, may even today in these moments, may they respond in a powerful way. God, thank you that you are in control and you have this sovereign plan that we don't always see. If we'll just wait that 10 days later you had something that not only would change the world, but it would transform the world if we would just trust you enough to be patient to wait for your timing. And so for some today, may they just find comfort in that and waiting on you, new and afresh. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.